So this morning, I am excited to welcome Reverend Michelle to come and speak to us this morning. You all send me to all these amazing conferences, midwinter and annual meeting, and I get to see some of the best preachers and speakers and workshop leaders, and I've uh, sat under Michelle's teaching several times, um, and so it's a real treat to have her with us this morning. Uh, Michelle serves as the executive minister of Macon and Deepen Disciples. That's one of the five mission priorities of the Covenant Church. So we have five, I think five executive ministers. And so she's one of those five. Uh, she earned her MDiv and her THM from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And she also completed spiritual direction training at Boston College. She is really passionate about discipleship and evangelism. And she is here to help us and teach us and lead us in a practice that is going on in Covenant churches all around the nation called Bless Sunday. And I'll let Michelle tell you more about that. I'm just thrilled to have Michelle with us this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Michelle's been traveling the world, by the way. And I just thanked her for coming to little old Wheaton uh, for, to, to, to speak to us this morning. Can we give Michelle a warm Faith Covenant welcome as she comes in? Well, good morning, everyone. It is so very good to be here. I actually rarely get to preach in places I can drive to. <laughs> so I am uh, in Illinois. I live in Skokie, um, which is a, a town by Evanston. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm here also with my two kids, my 13-year-old son, Seth, and my 9-year-old daughter. Um, so we're just very pleased to be here with you today. Uh, I also want to give a little shout out to Pastor Zax and his family. Um, we uh, went to the same church together for quite some time, and I, I think he tells me that my family was the first to invite him over for dinner, and we had a delightful time of fellowship together. So we miss Pastor Zax at, at my, my home church, but so grateful to see that he's landed here. So, yes, I serve as the executive minister of Make and Deepen Disciples. And essentially what that means, we're all about helping to understand, helping the church to understand how can we bless the world? What is kind of the core way that we can bless our world in Jesus' name? And we believe that it's all about making and deepening disciples of Jesus. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that today and get a fresh vision for what that means and what that could look like. And at some point, yes, I'm gonna ask you to take out your BLESS bulletin. You should have received it as part of the package when you walked in, and if not, you still have time to <laughs> run and find one because you will need it for later in the service. So I want to ask, I want to start by asking uh, a question which some of you, um, you may not have been asked this question for a while, and that is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now listen, this question never gets irrelevant, okay? Just, just not in the world of discipleship. No, no, no. <laughs> I want to know, what dreams do you have for your future? I'm not talking about career dreams or family dreams or retirement dreams. Those are great dreams. Uh, or dreams of winning the lottery or anything along those lines. I am talking about what are your dreams for who you are still becoming, who you're still becoming in Jesus. Okay, Because there's never like a moment where we graduate from growing up in Jesus Christ. Never. Not in this life, my friends. And so the question is, 
what are your dreams for that? And so let's first remind ourselves what discipleship is, right? Like, what is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Jesus, uh, but in more precision, we're going to look at the parts of that. I want us to look at when you grow up into full maturity, what do you look like, right? And I think that we have a lot of different ideas of what that means. What does a fully mature Christian look like? Like just a really, really nice person? I mean, I guess, <laughs> right? But it, it's more than that. And at the end of your life, when you look back at your discipleship journey, what do you have to see, right? All these Sundays of coming to church and the serving and all the ways that you're involved in the kingdom. Like, what do, you, what do you hope to see when you look back? And how will you know that your discipleship dream came true? Do you have a clear picture? And most important question of all, is your dream for discipleship the same as Jesus' dream? Right? Or is there a match? Are those dreams aligned? So... Let's take a look at what Jesus' dream for discipleship was from Matthew 4.19. This is my favorite place to see that dream. When Jesus calls his first disciples, he makes his dream plain. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. So Jesus' dream was not just that we would be disciples, but that we might bless the world by being disciples who make disciples, okay? This continues to be Jesus' dream for us. Now, he could have just said, come follow me, right? Come follow me, and um, it'll be great to have a lot of followers. <laughs> we'll get to hang out, do some fun things. No, he said, come follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. I'll make you fishers of people. Now, there may be some here who have just started following Jesus, right? Some may still be on the journey of deciding if you want to follow Jesus. Others may think, well, I don't know if I really could disciple anybody or make a disciple, right? All of those questions, I'm sure, could be swirling in this room. However, if we're to follow Jesus' example, we'll see that he didn't actually wait for his followers to be quote-unquote ready. Right at the beginning of calling them, he cast that vision and he invited them on a journey with him. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of people, right? It was his intention from the beginning and all along his three years with the disciples, they were involved in that work, that good work. So we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to understand completely what Jesus is doing in our lives or in the world around us. The disciples had many questions, and yet they also were clear about Jesus' vision for them, and they engaged it. So let's break down what a disciple is now. We're going to look at three parts to Jesus' discipleship dream. The first is come follow me. So a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, right? The second part is, and I will make you. And the third part is fishers of people. So we're going to take a look at all of those. 
First, come follow me. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. And that word follow, my friends, is not to be taken lightly. There's a great book called Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. And he points out that there is a large difference between being a follower of Jesus and a fan of Jesus. Big difference between being a follower and a fan. And our challenge is to stop being fans of Jesus. Did you hear me? We got to stop being fans of Jesus. A fan, what's a fan? A fan is an enthusiastic admirer. Okay? A fan, in Christian terms, is an enthusiastic audience member (laughs) at church. A fan puts a Jesus fish on the car, maybe, or some other bumper sticker, maybe wears a t-shirt. A fan gives to support the cause. Jesus has plenty of fans today. He's got plenty of fans, and he had a lot of fans as well during his lifetime, at least in the leading up to that last week or so, right? But what Jesus really wants are not fans, but followers. He wants completely committed followers. Followers who will pick up their cross and who will die to themselves every moment of every day, even if there's not a whole lot of others around doing the same, right? Followers who commit to making Jesus the Lord and leader of their lives. Followers who obey all that Jesus commanded. Now, Jesus didn't say, come, sign up for my fan club. He said, come, follow me. Right? And so as disciples, my first question for you to challenge us today is, are you a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus? And what would it mean to make more of a shift into that follower category. Second, Jesus says, I will make you. I will make you. And so a disciple is also someone who is being transformed by Jesus, is being transformed by Jesus, okay? This is a beautiful thing. Jesus calls us to follow him deeply and seriously, but he doesn't call us to transform ourselves. That is not our job, okay? Jesus promises to do the work in us, to make us the disciples and disciple makers that he wants us to be. So a disciple is someone who is going this process of transformation by Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, understanding he does most of the work. However, there is something we have to do in the process, okay, which is surrender. Surrender. Sometimes it hurts to change. Anybody ever experienced that? It's uncomfortable to change. It's challenging to change. And Jesus doesn't force us to to do any of that. He doesn't force us to do anything against our will. Amazing. God of the universe, right? He allows us to surrender and make the choice to say, yes, I want you to continue to work in my life. And so we need to be willing to say yes every day to carrying the cross of discipleship, letting Jesus transform us, kind of like, you know, a good surgeon will do, right? A good surgeon will cut you open, but only because 
They know what you need to be healthy and well. Jesus is the master surgeon of the universe, but he asks us to say yes, and he'll do the rest to transform us. So another question is, have you plateaued in your discipleship journey? Or are you still allowing Jesus to transform you in deep and powerful ways every day? You know, I, I think it's really important for us to be able to think as disciples about, okay, where is an area of my life where I know Jesus is, is working on me, right? Or inviting me <laughs> to be worked on, right? That we're all able to identify that, friends, because he's always molding and shaping us into his image more and more. We never graduate from that process. Finally, disciple someone who fishes for people. And this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. A disciple is someone who fishes for people. They're on mission with and for Jesus. And in this verse, Jesus describes really the essence of that mission. The most valuable thing in the whole wide world is people. And Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, and he gives us the privilege of joining with him on that mission to seek and to save the lost. A disciple is someone, in other words, who makes disciples. They lead people to follow Christ, grow in Christ, and join the mission of Christ too. And this, I find, is often where um, many disciples' kind of vision stops. They may have a vision to, yeah, follow Jesus and perhaps even to, to grow, right, in, in Jesus in some way. But this one, I feel we could do so much more in terms of understanding Jesus' dream, that his actual dream for us is to multiply, is to give the life that we have received from him to others so that they might have that life as well. And if this was the discipleship dream that we aimed for, that we all aimed for, it could have an amazing exponential impact on the kingdom of God in our generation and every generation. I want you to think about this question. You know, some, some of you may be like, well, gosh, I'm not, you know, an evangelist or something like that. Not saying that. Some of you might have that gift, just maybe. I want to encourage you. But, but, imagine if we all made one disciple in our lifetime. One. The kingdom of God would double in every single generation, right? And friends, I believe that is very possible. <laughs> Let's set the bar like low, okay? <laughs> That's fine because it would still double in every single generation. Don't give up on that dream. Jesus has a dream. And by the way, when you really do commit to it, you may be surprised. You see more than one. Now, there's another reason to become a disciple who makes disciples. Okay? I want you to pay attention to this. There are many believers who seem to be bored or disillusioned on their faith journey. Okay? And frankly, it can get kind of boring if you're not on an adventure with him, if you're not taking risks for him, you know, stepping out in faith. You just kind of get into this religious grind, right? But really, Jesus is all about joining him in this adventure to seek and to save the lost and to take some risks <laughs> on that journey, okay? And perhaps you will find 
as I did, that Jesus restores your sense of joy um, as you get close, more closely aligned to his, right? To his source of joy, which is making disciples who make disciples. I have found that there is no greater joy or adventure or blessing, as we're talking about today, than devoting yourself to Jesus' dream. Now, does that mean, again, that it's not difficult, hard, sometimes disappointing, confusing, you know, to reach other people uh, in Jesus' name? It doesn't mean any of those things. It's all of those things. Look at Jesus' life. Uh, not, not even everyone he reached out to said yes, right? But some did. And they changed the world. Today, I want to share just one story from my life about the joy of making disciples, okay? So we're going to start by going way back. So here I am as a little girl in this <laughs> next picture. Yes. <laughs> and um, yep, that, I was a big sister and had two uh, little brothers. And then in the next picture is a picture of my, my family, the whole family. Um, this is a busted Polaroid picture. It's like ancient, and it's got tape on it, so, you know? Um, but that was our house, and that was like a typical family photo, kind of everything's a little bit of a mess, um, you know, kids all over the place, dogs there, and you know, just like beautiful family, beautiful family. Um, one thing I would tell you about my family growing up is that my, uh, my mom was the believer and she would take us to church. My dad was not a believer, but I was daddy's little girl, like 100% daddy's little girl, okay? Um, he used to say, even though he wasn't a believer, he would say, before you were born, I prayed for a little girl, just like you. Like he would tell me that, right? And so we were just the closest buddies. Um, but, you know, in the process of, of meeting the Lord, growing in the Lord as a little girl, I realized, oh, man, you know, my dad doesn't know the Lord, and I really want him to know Christ, and I want him to know that joy and be with me forever, right? And so I started sharing with him at, like, a really young age. Um, and I was, like, the only one he let do that. <laughs> <laughs> just talk about Jesus and why he needed Jesus and you know um, he always just it, he, he was amused by that I, I think um, I never saw him come to faith while I was living at home but I think that's part of where I got my passion to share because there was somebody so close to me that I loved dearly um, that I felt you know needed to know the Lord and maybe I could help them right so next photo I want to show you is a photo of me with my best friend, Athena. I met Athena during my freshman year at NYU, New York University. And I can tell you, I absolutely love this girl. To this day, when we met, we had so little in common. So little in common. Uh, she was a shy little international student from Taiwan. And I was this tall, outspoken black girl from the Bronx. But somehow, after class one day, she asked me to explain something to her because her English wasn't so great. And we just, just hit it off as friends. 
we became roommates, and the rest was history. This picture was taken in Central Park, um, springtime. We both loved cherry blossoms, absolutely loved them, so we'd like hunt for them, right? And uh, a friend took this picture. I, I don't know if we were allowed to climb the tree, but it's the best picture ever, right? It's totally, it was totally worth it. Okay. So another thing we did not have in common was faith. So I was a strong believer at the time, um, involved in the campus fellowship, and uh, she was a Buddhist and took that very seriously. She used to have like images on the wall that she would pray to as part of her um, version of Buddhism. And so for a long time, I was like flummoxed, like how do I share? I mean, I think she was the first Buddhist I'd ever met, right? So not only does she not know the Lord, but she has like a different Lord, <laughs> right? I'm like, I, Lord, I don't know. I'm kind of lost. I don't know how to share my faith with someone like this. So first thing I did was I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed for two things, both for her, that the Lord would open her eyes and be willing to engage, um, but also for me, that God would give me insight, right, wisdom and insight into how uh, to be Jesus in her life. So one day uh, after a campus fellowship, I just remember hearing from the Lord, okay, you don't have to tell her anything, just ask her questions about herself. Just listen. And so I got back to the, our, our room, and she was just hanging out, and I started a conversation, and I just said, you know, I'm coming back from my campus fellowship. I, I know faith is really important to you, it's really important to me, but we've actually never talked about it. Like, I would love to hear more about what it is you believe, you know? And so that night we talked for hours. She shared with me what she believed and, 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 and why she believed it and what questions she still had, and she asked me a lot of the same, right? And that night I was able to share the gospel with her to explain who Jesus was, who she had no idea who Jesus was. She's like, does he have something to do with Santa Claus? That was the extent of like what she knew really about Jesus. So I got to like explain the basic idea, right? Um, but she had a long way to go. So it wasn't like she came to faith immediately. No, no. <laughs> But I said, hey, let's, let's continue this journey. Can, can we? I would love to continue this, this conversation and this journey, um, in part because I believe Jesus is for you too, right? And I love you. And so we did. It started a conversation that lasted for years. And um, I continued to listen to her and her beliefs and her concerns and all of that, and what she felt was positive about what she believed. And I did the same. Right? And that conversation continued and continued for a while. It took us all the way even to Taiwan because we both studied abroad at the same time uh, in parts of Asia. And then we met in her home uh, town of Taiwan. And so I got to see everything, like, you know, not only meet her family, but see the family altar because a lot of times there's a family altar you pray at and the, the um, Buddhist temple in the village that she would go to. I mean, it was profound, <laughs> okay? But I showed that willingness to enter in, right? Like enter in, learn, understand what was important to her. And as a result, she was open, you know, to hearing the same from me. Well, my friends, let me say this. Years are passing here, years. And I'm seeing progress, more and more interest in Jesus from her. But 
also blocks, roadblocks, right? And frankly, I nearly gave hope. I was just like, okay, this, this girl is never going to, I can't make a disciple, number one. Number two, <laughs> this girl is just never going to come to Jesus, you know. But I kept praying and kept praying. We graduated, and I started working at uh, an investment bank. She became an accountant, and we continued to be roommates, okay? Continued to be roommates, living in New York City together. And I started at my bank um, a Bible study. One day, uh, I was in charge of basically leading a Bible study on hope. Hope. And so I had to think about the idea of hope all the way leading up to this, right? God reminded me, you only have hope when you feel that the situation is hopeless. Like that's the point at which, right, you're supposed to have hope. Right? (laughs) Kind of forget the meaning of the word. And this verse um, means so much to me now. Listen to this verse about hope from the Bible. First of all, in 1 Corinthians 13, love always hopes. That's one of the aspects of love. You always hope. Okay. And then this is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that night, I felt led by the Lord, this Bible study I was doing at work, I felt led by the Lord to challenge everyone, you know what, let's pray for someone that we've given up hope in, kind of, like seeing that we've given up hope seeing God move in their life, someone that we've prayed for for a long time and just haven't seen that prayer answered yet. And we know in our heart of hearts, maybe we've given up hope, right? Said, Now's the time to pray. Now's the time to have hope when we feel hopeless and trust the Lord. And so that night, I prayed for Athena and I prayed for my dad. And we all chose someone like that to pray for and lift them up in a new way. By the way, my friends, this was right before Easter. It was the week leading up to Easter, okay? Just so happened. (laughs) And... um, I invited Athena to come with me to church. However, she was going away for the weekend. So she was supposed to go to Canada. But she calls me from the airport on Saturday and says, Michelle, you will never believe this. I, my, my visa isn't like in good shape. Like she needed to have a, her visa maybe expired or certain. I don't remember what. But she's like, I can't get on the plane. I, I need to stay home and I need to take care of this before I can go to Canada. What are you doing this weekend? I said, well, it's Easter. I'm <laughs> going to church. Do you want to come? And she said, oh, yeah, sure. Now, listen, she's come to church with me many times. Okay, She's come with me to church on Easter, probably a few times. So I am literally not thinking a thing of it. So we go to church, and I actually had invited some other friends as well. Okay, So we're there, and we're it's your typical Easter sermon, you guys, right? Jesus died, rose again, you know, yay. I, but I'm not thinking, I'm just like, this, you know, I'm not thinking anything special is happening. It's just a regular Easter service. So we're in the car driving home, okay? I'm in the front, she's in the back, driving home. And I say, well, how, is, how is service today? What do you think of the service? And she said, actually, Michelle, something really special happened 
to me. And I said, oh, did you like that guy that I brought with me today? Because I brought this like cute Asian guy with me, like just a friend. But she was like, oh, she must be like falling for Chris, right? And she's like, she laughed. No, it, not about Chris. Um, actually, when I was in the service, I felt like I had this vision of Jesus Christ. I saw him there on the cross. And I felt something like a rushing wind, like waves of cleansing flow through me. Michelle, I believe. So I'm driving. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You know, I pull over to the side of the road in Brooklyn. I get out. I'm like, get out of the car. And like, you know, I'm just hugging her. You know, she, she can barely explain what has happened to her. She just knows something happened, right? And so instead of going home, we went to dinner. I took her out to dinner. And, um, you know, we continued to process what the Lord had done. And I told the waitress, it's her birthday. Bring her a cake. The next day, I wrote this to her. This is part of a letter I wrote. Dearest Athena, I just want you to know that yesterday was the best day of my life. I have prayed for you for five years. I have prayed in small groups. I have prayed in large groups. I have prayed with people at Goldman Sachs, at Campus Crusade for Christ, and at fellowship groups. I have prayed with my mother. I have prayed with Mickey, and I have prayed alone. See a theme here? I have prayed in bed, on the floor, in church, at school, at work, on the sidewalk, in buses and subways and airplanes. I have prayed for you on five continents, right here at home, as well as in places as far away as Japan and Taiwan. In fact, I do not think I have ever prayed for any one person in my entire life other than my dad. And to see all of those prayers that I have prayed over all these years finally answered, that was one of the highlights of my life. So the next pictures I want to show you are some pictures from her baptism celebration. So that says, happy baptism, Athena. I want to say something like within a year or so, uh, we were able to celebrate her baptism. We um, had cut some cake together, and I was able to participate in the ceremony itself. We haven't talked too much about food yet, but I'll just say one of the things we like to do together is eat, um, and especially celebratory eating is the best. Now, I thought there was no greater joy than this, at this moment, right? I just led, read you that letter. Hey, you know, seeing someone come to Jesus, make a disciple, that's awesome. But I was actually wrong about that. And in time, I came to discover how I was wrong. So she said to me, one of the things she said to me when she came to faith was, Michelle, I really hope you can keep doing this for people like me. And what she meant by that was she was an international student who knew nothing about Jesus, like close to nothing, <laughs> right? And had come to meet him and become a follower. So I, long story, guys, but I went from working at Goldman Sachs and making a lot of money to asking for money working for crew. A lot of people thought I was absolutely insane. Maybe I was. But I became 
a staff member with Crew, founding a ministry to international students at NYU, and would later see many more come to faith. And Athena started to help me with that. So the next picture is of Athena sharing her faith at a Thanksgiving event for internationals, sharing her testimony. And like I said, I thought, okay, she's a Christian, great. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, this is even more amazing, right? To hear her sharing about how the Lord has touched her and seeking to share that faith with others. I mentioned that she was an accountant earlier and eventually uh, the Lord led her to work with World Vision. So this is her you know, advancing the kingdom in a holistic way around the world. She's since done that in other places as well. So, why did I sign up for this crazy job of making disciples, you know? Uh, because I want everyone to have the same joy that I have. I am talking about joy, my friends not obligation, not anything to be guilty about. I am talking about the joy of sharing the life of Christ with others and then seeing them do the same. I feel like we don't have that opportunity enough or even the dream for that, right? Even, even the dream, as I started talking about before, that that's the vision. When you get to the end of your life, I hope that everybody has at least one story like this or that you've at least played a role in a story like this. Because I will also say, many, many people helped along the journey of Athena coming to faith. It wasn't just all about me. So today, we are engaged in something that we call Bless Sunday. So when you think about the people in your life who do not yet have a relationship with the Lord, the question is, well, what do you do, right? What what are the steps that you can take? And BLESS is an acronym that we've come up with in the covenant to talk about next steps you can take to make disciples who make disciples, okay? So BLESS stands for, there's an acronym, as I said here, begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve in love, and then share the story. That's what it stands for. And I feel that if every person, every disciple, intentionally found ways to engage in these steps, you would see the Lord move. Okay? Now, let's talk about this a little bit. I'll explain just a, a word about each letter. So B, Begin with prayer. Did you hear prayer in my story? Anybody? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because you know what? That sense that you have that you can't make a disciple is right. God does that. The, the moment where she actually trusted in the Lord. I mean, I can't explain it. I don't know what happened. Just know that I was doing my part over the years, and the Lord eventually touched her. So, friends, begin with prayer and continue with prayer, if I could say that, right? 
begin and then continue lifting people up specifically, not just, oh, Lord, bless all the people in the world. No, specific people in your life, you know, that God can use you to bless. Okay, listen. Listen also, I hope that you heard that in the story. I felt like, again, that was a kind of a turning point for me. Um, When we think about evangelism, a lot of times we're thinking, well, it's something I need to tell people. That's part of it, okay, absolutely, but it also is about listening. It also is about asking really good questions, which Jesus was in the business of doing. Listening communicates love, value, affirmation. Not complete agreement necessarily, friends, no, no. But it communicates that we value and love where a person is at and who they are. Okay, the next one, eat. Yeah, eating. This is a big deal, and I didn't get to really highlight this, but we lived together, as I said, for years as roommates. We ate so many meals together. Um, Eating was a really big part, just doing life together at the table or the coffee shop or whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Um, It's a big part of what Jesus came to do. Okay, there's three things. You can move on to the next slide, yeah. There's three things, three times that the Bible says the Son of Man came blank. Like he came to do what? And there's three things that it says. First thing, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, that's one. Two, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. (laughs) Right? So these are things that we should be doing too. Understand, serving, seeking and saving the lost. Finally, the son of man came Eating and drinking. <laughs> okay, he came eating and drinking. Um, and I think that that was actually a kind of a, an important part of his ministry and who he was. And we can imitate him. We should imitate him, right? So finding ways to do life together and especially eat or drink together. Serve is next. And so serve, this can mean a whole lot of different things. With Athena, um, it meant being attentive to what her needs were and doing what I could, right, to be there for her. It can also, though, mean serving together or, or being served. I let her love me, too, like a lot. You know, in fact, at some points I thought, this girl will never become a Christian because of me, because what she sees in my life, Right. But I think that vulnerability and allowing her to love and serve me also was important, right? And sometimes, as I said, we would serve together doing things that we both like to do. And then last but not least is share your story, share the story, essentially. Either one, they're interchangeable. So you're sharing about what the Lord means to you what difference the Lord has made in your life, and then, of course, how the Lord has come to redeem the world and every individual person, right? And so this often takes a little bit of training, figuring out, like, okay, how how do I share the story of God? But it's something that we can and should all learn so that we might have this joy. So bless... um, I'm going to explain to you in just a minute how this works, but churches all over the country have a Blessed Sunday, 
And there's some photos here just of like very creative things that churches have done to celebrate bless um, over these years that we have been doing it. Um, often there's a, a one Sunday blessed focus, or there can be like a, a month where you take a letter and you just really dive into what the scripture has to say about each one of these missional practices, right? But the core idea is this, and here's where you can take out the bulletin, the bless bulletin insert that you got when you came in. So this explains for you to remember all those letters, right? All the letters of bless right here. And then inside, there are two bookmarks. You can take that bookmark, put it on your refrigerator, in your Bible, you know, wherever you think you'll see it. Two bookmarks, they're identical, okay? And what you're meant to do here is to think about, let's say, three to five people in your life who do not yet know the Lord that you would love to see as a disciple of Jesus, right? And so you write those names on both of them because one of them you will be handing in. So you see these little baskets up here? During the communion uh, session, as you're coming up, you can drop off those names in the basket. And at the end of service, Pastor Nate will pray over those names. Now listen to this. All of the churches that do this in our movement then collect those names, and at our regional conference annual meetings, all of those names that are collected are prayed over again. And then all of the conferences that have participated send those names to the annual meeting of the Covenant Church that we call Gather. And usually there we're praying over thousands and thousands and thousands of names that have been gathered from all over the country. So we're not going to just pray today, right? We're going to be praying over time together as a movement that God would use us. And friends, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of prayer from experience. So once again, you're thinking of three to five names of people to pray for, Okay, we encourage you to continue praying for them, especially this week, right? This week leading up to Easter is not just about religious practices and celebrations, but about sharing the good news of Jesus with the world, glorifying his name, right? Hosanna in the highest. And again, once you're finished with that, then during the communion service, you can come and drop off the names here in one of these baskets. Okay, some of you, as I close here, might be wondering about my dad. So I want to give you a little update about my dad. Years later, years later, I'd moved out of the house and everything, but my dad also accepted the Lord. This is um, a picture of him uh, in the Christmas choir at church. <laughs> okay? And I just got to tell you, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but essentially, we had a breakthrough moment where one day, you know, I was asking him, really, God, like, what, what is keeping you from, you know, Lord, coming back home to the Lord? And he said, I don't know, I just feel so guilty, I've done so many bad things, and um, something, you know. And I said, Dad, what if I called you one day and said, you know what, I'm, Dad, I've done something so awful, I'm not coming home. I'm just never going to come 
home because of how terribly I feel about this. And he said, what? You can always come home. You know, <laughs> you, I love you so much. And I was like, great. And, and it, it just, the Lord used that conversation to bring him back home. And he got connected with a few um, men at the church who just loved him and poured into him. And he's in the Christmas choir. Like, never thought I would see this. The next picture is my family. Now, you, my kids are here. They're like a decade older than this, just so you know. But I, I love this picture because um, we ended up naming my daughter Hope. We named her that because of all that I am describing, that we felt that the Lord had showed us never, ever, ever, ever give up hope and how I can use you to build my kingdom. And as you could see, she started very early pointing others to the love of Jesus Christ. <laughs> so friends, Jesus' first words to his disciples were a dream that they would become like him and fish for people. And Jesus' final words to them were about that same dream. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all the commands I have given you. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Friends, we only have one precious shot at this life, one opportunity to do this discipleship journey. And as you do, I want to ask you, are your dreams for discipleship big enough? And will you adopt Jesus' dream for being a disciple who makes disciples your own?